welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Okay, good morning. It's good to see so many here. Um, so I'm going to, I want to pick up where I left off a couple of weeks ago. I was talking on prayer and uh, particularly life, uh, prayer life of the church and uh, where we go. I had to kind of cut out quite a bit out of my last talk because time went as it usually does and I'm not sure how far I'll get through this one, uh, but we'll see. We'll get as far as we can. Uh, to do this. I've always seemed to have far too much to say, so I'm sorry about that. Could you put the first slide up? So going back to where I finished off um, a couple of weeks ago, was this was kind of where I ended up with this kind of, the way encouragement to praise, continuous, effective, hell-destroying, bondage-breaking, stronghold-crushing, life-generating, soul-saving, power-releasing, spiritual intercession. Wouldn't you like that to be our vision of what prayer's like in this church. Yeah. Me too. So how do we get there, is the question then. Because I don't think we're there right now. I know we're not there right now. I don't just think it. I know we're not. So I just want to help us this morning think about that. You see, the thing is that uh, actually Dave was great because the chunk I'd missed out and had to chop out my prayer, Dave picked up in kind of his prayer at the end in terms of praying with faith. And so that's why... Uh, I want to pick that up this week and talk about what it is to have faith-filled prayer, faith-filled praying. You see, the thing is, just put the next slide, we can pray faithfully with faith, without faith. We can be good at just doing our duty. We can be good at just setting time aside because we know it's the right thing to do. We can be good at just throwing up them quick prayers in a morning. And we do it, and we do it religiously, but we do it without faith. And actually, faith-filled, faithfully praying is really important. That's what really matters. And I guess prayer would be really easy if there was some simple formula. You do this, this, and this, and it's done. And it all works. And your prayers are answered, inst- answered instantly. Wouldn't that be great? If it was just a simple step, three-step process, you do that, and everything's going to happen. It's just going to work out. But God doesn't work like that. God's not like, you see, we're a kind of microwave society, aren't we? We turn the microwave on it instant, but God likes to marinate things. And he doesn't do it as quick as a microwave. It's not the 30 seconds in the microwave kind of prayer with God. It's the long haul. It's the marinating. It's getting before God and putting our hearts out. That's where faith comes from. We don't start necessarily from a place of faith when we come to pray. We pray our way into faith. See, God wants us to engage with him in relationship. God, you know, that song and what uh, Susie brought, just in praying about heart to heart, connecting heart to heart with God. Actually finding out what's on God's heart. Actually, what's his plan? What's his purpose? What's he doing? You see, because when we get that perspective, our prayers become more effective because we start praying in line with the will of God. We start praying in line with something God's already intending on doing. And we're just adding our weight to what God's already planning and purposing, and we can bring it about through adding our weight to it as we do in prayer. See, God loves to answer prayer. See, he's not, he's not trying to trick us. 
He's not being difficult when we don't get the answer straight away. He's not being difficult when he doesn't answer it the way we want him to. He's actually taking us on a journey of intercession with him, a journey of knowing him and understanding him more than what we already do. It's a journey with God, and it's not a quick fix. And God wants us to enable us and encourage us to grow in this. Yeah, I kind of had this sense, prophetic sense this morning of actually God wants to take us into an atmosphere of faith and expectancy. A fresh place of faith and expectancy. Living and operating in an atmosphere of that. And we only do that through prayer. We only get there by praying. See, he wants us to know his heart. And that we can pray like that. He wants us to partner with him in what he's doing. See, it seems to me that faithful prayers are a response to uh, some difficult situation. I've done a kind of a bit of a hop, skip and a jump through scripture this last couple of weeks. And I've just been looking at some of the prayers of the people of God. And as you look at them, they all come to this place. A difficult situation, some failure, some bad news... Or on the other hand, some great revelation or promise. The response to that every time in Scripture seems to be prayer and faith. And I want to encourage that actually that's how we, respond, we should respond to God with prayer and faith. Whenever he speaks, whenever he reveals, whenever there's a situation, a difficulty. And I just want to quickly look at one of those particular passages. It's a book I love and uh, spent lots of time in over the years. Uh, if you want to turn to Nehemiah 1. I'm going to start right at the beginning. Nehemiah 1, verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now, it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them, according to the Jews who escaped who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province whom had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates destroyed by fire. And Nehemiah says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, Nehemiah's response was not, oh dear, sorry to hear that news. Something actually happened inside him. Something brought, his heart was broken to hear the news of the situation of the people of God and what had happened in Jerusalem. And his response was actually he wept and mourned. He mourned for the loss. He mourned for what had been, had been lost through that time and the wars been breached and, and brought down and destroyed. There's something that caught his heart. And I want to say to us, I think we need to get that kind of heart. We need to ask God for that kind of for the state of our nation. It's kind of wars are a bit broken, aren't they? I mean, even this week, you could have imagined we'd end up where we are as a nation, even this week. And our walls are broken. Our, our Christian faith in our nation and being known as a Christian nation has diminished. And actually, our response to that news 
should be like Nehemiah's. Actually, it should have an effect on us. It should challenge us. It should take us back to God. See, Nehemiah heard some bad news that distressed him. He was greatly troubled. It lasted days. It wasn't a momentary thing. I mean, we don't know how many days, but it says it lasted days. He prayed and mourned for days. Something got him, and it just wouldn't go. It wouldn't leave him. He carried it. It affected his heart. It affected his emotion. It affected all of his life, actually. That this was the most important thing to him. Such that he actually gave up food. And he prayed. And there's times when it's right to fast. It's not that we fast all the time, but there's seasons of fasting. There's seasons when it's time for us to get before God and to seek his face. And sometimes we don't even understand or know the reason why or the outcome of that. And I remember some years ago, and I got to that place and I prayed and I fasted for a whole year, for two or three days a week, every week for a whole year. Even on holiday I did that because something had got me. And I prayed that through. And I'll say there's times when there's a grace to fast. There's a times when it's appropriate that that's the right response is to get before God and to pray and fast and seek God. And he did that. He turned to God. His response was he mourned for what was lost. He fasted and prayed to the God of heaven and he kept going until he got a breakthrough. He didn't give up. And how often do we give up so easily? We might pray for a few days maybe. We remember to pray for a few days. We remember to pray perhaps for, uh, for even just a day or for a moment. And it's kind of come and it's gone. We've prayed that. But do we pray till we get the breakthrough? Do we know what it is to pray till we get a breakthrough? There's some things I've prayed and I've seen breakthrough. Some things I've given up on because I haven't seen the breakthrough. And I haven't seen it in the time frame that suited me. And didn't suit God. So let's just have a quick look at Nehemiah's prayer, verse 5. And so he gets to this point. I think this is a prayer that comes after a few days or many days of actually being before God. He gets this prayer. So Nehemiah 1, verse 5. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and steadfast, steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. So he's praying day and night. This is not just a five-minute prayer. This is not just a time, 15 minutes set aside every day. He's praying this day and night. It's got him. It's got into him. It's on his heart. He's carrying something here. And then it goes on, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among all the peoples. But if you return to me... And keep my commandments and do them. Though your outcasts are in utter part, the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. 
They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was a cupbearer to the king and he was going to go, if you read on, He's going to go and approach the king because actually in that time, in that time of praying, God had given him a strategy of how to go and repair the walls. He'd had an answer, but he needed resources. He needed favor and he needed favor of the king who he served. Not just the king of kings, but the king, the earthly king who he served as well. He needed some favors calling in and God gave him favor in that moment. So what was the process? They arrived to that place. Did he pray himself into faith? Yes, I think he did. Did he find out what God wanted him to do? Yeah, I think he did. And did he come up with a plan of how to do it or did he get it from God? I would suggest he got it from God. Because if you read the whole book of Nehemiah, you find out that God was faithful. That God did what he said and what he promised and he fulfilled it. But it takes time to get to that place. It takes us getting before God to get there. We don't do it in a moment. We don't do it in a few minutes in the car in the morning on our way to the office. Or wherever it might be, walking the dog. We don't get it. We get it through persistence. So we get it through pressing into God. And we live in a time time when everything's just instant. We want things instantly, don't we? We expect things instantly. I was really frustrated this morning while I was finishing off this talk because every time I pressed a letter on, my, on the tablet to type a word in, it chose something else. And it was really frustrating. And in the end, I ended up getting my laptop out and doing ice on the laptop because I was so frustrated with that because I wanted it instantly there. The moment I pressed that key letter, I wanted it to appear on the screen and it wouldn't. And it was really frustrating. But that's kind of how we are, isn't it? We expect things instantly like that now because that's our society, the world we live in today. So I just got a few helps, hopefully that will help us to be faithfully praying faithful prayers. So just a few points. So you can have the uh, next one up. So pray faithfully. When you pray, ensure that you don't waver in your faith. Hold fast to your relationship with God in Christ. God can resurrect a dead life, a dead dream, anything that is dead, in fact, if you have faith. God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He can bring any marriage, any business, any faith back into alignment with his promise. But it takes more than a quick, help me, O God takes dedicated, faith-filled, faith-filled prayer in which you fully present yourself to God. You fully give yourself. So Romans four, seventeen there says he can speak life into anything. And he says things as though they were, even though they're not. God can do it. That's the basis. of That fuels faith. Encourages our faith. So pray faithfully. Second thing is pray decisively. You can't be wishy-washy. 
flitted about from one thing to another. One day you trust God, the next day you don't. Praying a totally different thing. Got to be consistent. One day you pray this, the next day you're praying totally the opposite. Or even maybe you pray one thing to God in faith and you're trusting God. You go off, you meet some friends, you have coffee and you start talking about it as though it's impossible. It's never going to happen and you have no faith. I'm guilty of that one. I've done that many times. I've prayed, trusted God, and then I'm in conversation with people. I've said, that'll never happen. I can't see that ever changing. That'll never come about. I know the words we speak undermine our faith. And we have to be really careful what we say. What we say in prayer to God, and then what we say to others that contradict what we say. It's not faith. So we've got to be decisive and stick with what we're saying. Say it. Speak it out because that builds faith. When someone asks, say, well, I'm praying for this and I'm believing God for this. We speak it out with faith and we don't contradict ourselves. And I'm guilty of that. I know I am. The Bible says, let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful faithful yeah is he is he faithful i think he is make a deliberate conscious decision to agree with what god says whether it's through his word whether it's something god's revealed to you and set it in your heart to believe it and speak it with your mouth and declare it it's important Third thing, pray forcefully. Don't be a wimp when it comes to praying. Don't pray wimpy prayers. Please, God, if you like, if it's your will, you know, maybe you can just see your way to doing that for me. A bit wimpy. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Ah. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is in the heavenly realms. We're not here to beg. We're not here to plead. We're not here to persuade, twist God's arm up his back. It's not what he's asking us to do. You're coming to take what is rightfully ours in God. And we take it by prayer. By forceful praying. By getting before God. You're a child of God. You belong to him. Has he not made all things available to us? Has he not said, I freely give you all things? We claim it through prayer. We get it that way. So it's like we're going to the, our own queen for something. We don't have to beg. He'll say, you know, get down, bow low, if you like. Or we go to court and we've got a judge and we're trying to plead our case because somebody's taking something against us and, he, and it, we've been wronged and we're trying to fight for it. We don't, it's not like that with God. We come to claim what's rightfully ours. He says, without faith, in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he comes, we come to God, those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. If we seek him, We'll find him. It's not not the promise. If we knock on the door, he'll open it. If we seek him, we'll find him. We'll know him. We'll have his heart. 
It's the whole purpose God's got for us. So pray forcefully. We're not very good at it. I'm not very good at it. I know I'm not. I want to get better at it. I remember some years ago, somebody was coming up and prophesying over me and saying, you're a warrior. And I get in the prayer room and I don't feel like a warrior. Because all kinds of stuff's going through my head. All kinds of things and kind of questions and what ifs and what about that and how does that work and will you God? Actually, no, we're, we're all warriors. We've been given divine right to approach the throne of grace, to ask. And who's going to stop you other than you? We stop ourselves. We hinder ourselves. Too often we get in the way of ourselves. We need to get out of the way of ourselves and get before God and pursue God. Pray lovingly. Galatians 5, 6 says, faith working through love. I just mentioned earlier, our fight isn't against flesh and blood. So when we start praying about other people, we don't want to take vengeance out on them in our prayers. It's not right. It's not the way to pray. Actually, our fight is not against them. We're called to be deliverers, rescuers, and healers. That's what we're called to. We're called to put ourselves between the people and harm, lifting up Jesus so that they'll look at him and be saved. When we pray, we must see people that we're praying for through the eyes of God, not through our own eyes. So actually, it's better to pray blessing on somebody than it is to pray harm on them. Pray God, just take them off their feet with blessing. Blow their socks off with blessing. It's actually anyone that's against you. I did this years ago. I had a a boss who was against me and I prayed blessing on him. And God dealt with him. I didn't have to. And actually God made me his boss. Which was a real turnaround. He didn't expect that. And I didn't expect that. It's our attitude... Is really important when we pray. We have a right attitude and we do it out of a heart of love. And our faith comes from love and not any other route because God is love. And if His love is in us, how can we say we hate our brother? We've got to do it from that place. So, love is important in our praying. Yet we love. We love one another. We love the unlovely. We love those that hate us. And we speak blessing, not curse. Because that's what we're called to do. Nearly there. Pray truthfully. See, sometimes we can know facts or part of facts or part of truth. We don't know necessarily the whole truth. It's actually important that we pray the truth. Because it's the truth that sets us free. Actually, that's really important. So actually, we, God already knows facts. We don't need to tell God the facts. He knows the facts. It's what we need to pray in is the truth. And we need to pray, for, pray from a place of knowing the truth. So actually it's important that actually Bible reading and reading scripture is part of our praying. It's not a separate thing. Actually getting the truth of the word of God and praying that back to God. There's nothing more effective than you take scripture and you start praying it back to God. Because it's his word and he's already said it. And we just pray it back to God and we pray it into being. We pray it into life. The truth is important. 
You see, when we start getting in touch with God's heart, we know what his desires are. We understand what his truth is. And actually, sometimes it bears no resemblance to ours. Our perspective and our view of things is very different to God's. And we need to line ourselves up with his truth and not our own. Or anybody else's. Any of the lies of the enemy. We don't listen to that. We line ourselves up with his truth. So, John eight thirty two, You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Get in the truth. Believe the truth. Pray earnestly. See, life is a whole mess of things. It, we get surprise things happen in life. We get curveballs. So I said, things don't go the way we thought it was going to go. We all come from different backgrounds. We have different dreams, ambitions, desires that we want. And when we get emotionally involved, sometimes all our emotions get mixed up. And we start praying out of that place. And we're praying all over the place. And actually, when we're most involved, sometimes our prayer life takes a big dip. Because actually, our hurt and our emotion takes a higher priority than our prayer life. Actually, we find ourselves caught up in our own emotion, and it becomes overwhelming. And prayer is the last thing on our minds. But actually, it's the time to pray. It's the time to get before God. Actually, that he brings his clarity. He brings his understanding. And actually, it's the right place where we deal with our emotions. I love that about David. His, you know, Susie sang that song about emotions on your sleeve, your heart on your sleeve. David was a writer who put his heart on his sleeve. You only you read the Psalms, you find out how David felt. You know his emotions, you know his feelings. Right there, it's right out there. And he's put it out for all of us to read. But he always gets to a place of seeing God. He always gets to a place of faith. He always gets to a place of knowing the truth. He always gets to a place where he can engage with God, worship God, express his heart back to God. He gets to that place in amongst all of his pouring out of his heart. He finds that. So every chapter where he's pouring that out, you find he comes back to focusing and recognizing who God is. And we need to do that too. And very helpfully, James reminds us, Elijah, another one. He was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah, a man just like us. Great prophet of the Old Testament, but a man just like us. But he prayed earnestly. That it wouldn't rain and he prayed that it would. We can do the same because he's just like us. It says that's what James is trying to tell us. We can be the same. We can pray earnestly just as Elijah did. Even though we may not think of ourselves as some great prophet of the Old Testament. We're not because we're here and now. But actually we can still pray earnestly. And let's pray with authority. You see, Paul reminds us in Ephesians that we were rescued. We were brought to be in Christ. We've been brought into Christ, therefore giving us Christ's authority. 
we have authority. And we have the privilege of what it is to be in Christ at our disposal. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, it's not just some word we're supposed to add on to the end of a prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. As though it's kind of just some formula of how we're supposed to end a prayer. Actually, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying in an authority that Jesus has already given. And it says in John 14, yeah, that's the one. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. That the glory, the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, when you get to that point, you know you've got the mind of Christ. And you can begin to pray. You know when you've got the authority. And there's times when you pray and you just know you've got an authority from heaven. And whatever you pray, you know it's going to happen. Because you've prayed your way into that place. And you've prayed your way into that authority. And you see, the thing is, I heard somebody once say, you know, I think it was um, June Adams, prophet within Catalyst. I was saying that it uh, tells a story of these group of men trying to cast out a demon and nothing seemed happening, like, lots of noise going off, all kinds of noise. This lady walks up and says, get out. And it's gone. Because she knew the authority she had. And we can make a lot of noise. And he, he summed it up like he said, much noise, little authority. Little noise, much authority. And we need to know. We need to get to that place, the authority that we have in the name of Jesus because we're in Christ. And that's our qualification. That gives us the right, gives us the privilege to use his name. And even the disciples, when challenged, by whose name and whose authority do you speak like this? They said, in Jesus. Because he's given it to us. It's Jesus' name we speak. Because we have his authority. It's no less for us, disciples today, as it was for the disciples in the early church. We have that same authority. So start using it. It's my, my encouragement. Start using it. Okay, I've got to finish. Sum up. I've gone over time. Can't even see a clock. It's disappeared. It's all right. Prayer is a journey. It just is. It's unique for everyone. Your prayer journey is not the same as my prayer journey. Just as we've got different callings, different jobs, different things to do, it's your journey. You've got to find your way in your prayer life, your communication, your relationship with Jesus. You find it. God will speak to us in different ways. He doesn't just speak in one way. God's a God of variety and creativity. He speaks in lots of ways. We just have to know how we hear him. How do you hear God? How does, how, how's your relationship? How do you interact with God? Find it for yourself. See, God's not interested in us in learning a formula, learning rules, a method, a process, a way of doing this. It's about us having a living experience, an encounter with him. It's about it being out of relationship. Our prayer life being relationship. See, prayer's been given that we can have a relationship with him. It's how we communicate. It's a two-way thing. It's not us just praying our shopping list to God and then him saying, yes, no, no, no. Yeah, okay, that one. It's not like that. It's not a shopping list. It's a, it's a living relationship with him. So he wants us to partner with him on this journey. Every day. 
And there'll be times when that prayer time, there'll be times when we're more intense in prayer than we are at others. Because there's a need. Just as there was for Nehemiah, there was a need. And, but it's built on something. It's built on a relationship. So, need to wrap up somehow. Faithful prayers are needed. Sorry? Yeah, I'm trying to. See, our nation, we need to see our nation turn back to God. We need prayers for our nation. We need prayers to see the gospel penetrate every tribe, tongue, and nation. We need prayers that pull down strongholds and lift up the name of Jesus. And we need prayers that bring God's kingdom rule and reign into every sphere of society. That's where we need to be. And I want you, shall we stand? Kids are coming back in. I didn't have time for everything as I thought. Let's just pray. God, I want to thank you that you've given us prayer to pray. Well, thank you, Lord. It's part of your plan for us to have communion with you is that we come before you. We have access into your throne room, right to the throne, of God, throne room of God and into the throne and actually can ask of you. I want to thank you, Lord, for the rights you've given us and the access that's home to us. Lord, I pray now, God, that you will take us into a new day of faith and expectancy. I pray for an atmosphere in the church of faith and expectancy and an increase in our, in our praying. God, I want to pray that you will take us into on a journey of prayer that, Lord, those words at the beginning, Lord, will become a fulfillment, Lord. They'll be not just a vision statement for prayer in this church, but they will be fulfilled through our praying and the prayer life of this church, I pray in Jesus' name, for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know for some people, God wants to reignite some of you if you've prayed in the past you've you've had times of intercession you've sought God and I know God wants to revive that and I just want to pray for some people at the end but we're going to come back and worship now